What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike Milner. And today I was joined by a special guest. I had Kelsa Dickey on the show and she brought straight fire. I think you guys are going to love this conversation. Um, Kelsa owns Fiscal Fitness Phoenix. You guys know that most of my analogies are budget or money related. And ironically, Kelsa, who is a financial coach, has a ton of fitness analogies in her business, and she is a fitness enthusiast. And we had an amazing conversation about investing in yourself and and making decisions in alignment with the person that you want to become. So this is very tangible and actionable. She gives a framework for making better decisions, for making investments in yourself that will pay dividends for the rest of your life. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. If you do, we would love to hear about it. It would mean so much to both Kelsa and myself if you share this episode. Take a screenshot, post it to your stories, tag me on Instagram at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner, and you can tag Kelsa at Fiscal Fitness PHX. Enjoy the episode. All right, everybody. I am joined today by a very special guest. I have Kelsa Dickey joining me on the podcast. And it was actually, I'm going to start with kind of like the story of how this came to be, because I think there's a lesson to be learned here. Um, Kelsa has been, um, I don't even know how we originally got connected, but just, you know, through social media somehow in like various networks and whatever, we were connected. And Kelsa has been listening to the podcast and reaching out and just like, sending over just messages where not asking for anything more so just saying, Hey, like, thanks for providing value. I really appreciate the show. I love the work that you're doing. And it's just like one of those people where you start to notice like, Oh, this is somebody who is doing cool things herself and is appreciating the work that I'm doing. And then came to me with an idea and was like, Hey, um, this is like totally out of left field, but I had this idea and I'd really love to chat with you about it. Note that like, she never said, Hey, can I come on your podcast? She was like, I had this vision and I was sharing this information with your audience and I thought it would be really valuable. Anyway, um, I think that the approach was um, very well done in terms of just not coming out and being like, hey, can I have this thing from you? But more so like constantly showing up, letting me know that you're getting value out of what I'm doing. And now here we are um, recording an episode together. So I will let you introduce yourself. Um, I know that you're a financial coach, but I'd love to hear like who you are, what you do, and kind of like the whole story of how that all came to be. Yeah, thanks. I have definitely been following you for a while. I love your podcast. So I am a financial coach, but I am a fitness enthusiast. So I love fitness. So a lot of the analogies and stories and strategies that I use for financial coaching, I pull from uh, fitness, just my love of fitness. And I love your podcast. I love following good coaches. And I think, you know, I've been doing this for 12 years now. Um, my business is Fiscal Fitness Phoenix. Uh, I started uh, back in college, actually, just helping people learning how to pay bills and like, you know, people in my dorm. It's just something that I've always loved. Like for the longest time, I thought I was crazy because my hobby is like paying bills. Like I think that's a lot of fun. Um, and it's just something that I've always felt really good at. And not because money by itself is important, but more so just because of the role it plays in our lives. And like, it's just a game we're all forced to play. So let's all just be good at the game and um, use it to live our best life sort of thing. Um, but I didn't realize that. I didn't realize you could make a living doing this. So I went into corporate accounting and like really hated it. <laughs> um, but I did it for about six years, uh, was moving up the corporate ladder, sort of thought that that would be like my trajectory in life. But 
as I was doing that, I still had this hobby of just helping people budget and pay bills. And so I would work all day, you know, 10, 12 hour day in corporate accounting, be driving home from work, exhausted, burnt out, um, just feeling like I had given it my all and knowing that like there was probably going to be a pile of paper for me on my desk in the morning. And then I would get home and I would sit with a client at my dining room table and just help them for an hour. And mind you, this was like a client, but not really a client because I really wasn't charging for it or anything like that. It was truly a hobby for years. Um, and they would leave after an hour and I felt invigorated and energized and just happy. And like my whole cup had been full in that hour after it had been drained all day. And I just remember saying to my husband, like, what the hell am I doing all day? Like this obviously like brings me fulfillment. And I think I should be doing this for a living. Like, I think there might be something here, but this was 12 years ago. Coaching was still fairly new 12 years ago. Um, And so this idea of like actually helping people with budgeting and managing their money better was completely foreign. And we just decided that we would use the next year to plan, you know, create a runway, decide, you know, what I was going to call myself. Cause at the time I wasn't calling myself a financial coach or anything. What would my business name be? And, uh, at that time, it was March 25th, 2008 was my last day in corporate America. I'll probably remember it for the, for the rest of my life that day. And I like to tell people that we had like a plan B and a plan C. You know, we had this idea of like, well, if after a year, it doesn't work. I can go back into corporate America. You know, I'm marketable, all these kinds of things. And I like to tell people that like, we kind of thought I might fail at this just in case. Like we really didn't know what we were getting ourselves into at all as entrepreneurs or business owners or anything like that. Um, I just knew that I loved helping people with getting control of their money. And my fear of regret at that point in my life was stronger than my fear of failure. And I just decided that like, yeah, I might fail at this, but I have to give it a try because I will regret it if I don't sort of thing. And I think it was within like two to three months of leaving my corporate job that I was like, nope, this is it. Like, this is who I am. This is what I was meant to do. Um, It was scary and it definitely felt like a leap of faith. But now my husband used to be in physical therapy. He's retired from physical therapy and is on the team. I've got a team of seven coaches. um, And really, it's just my passion. I can't believe it. So I feel really, really blessed. But after doing this for so long, you know, you can... Coaching is so much more than just like giving somebody knowledge and expecting them to apply the knowledge. Be like, oh, here you go. This is what you do. Now go do it. And I think that's one of the reasons I love your podcast so much is because it really does show how good of coaches you guys are with just the nuance of human behavior and human psychology. And it really is more of an art than a science. And I just, I love following you guys. I think you do great work. And so that's why I've been following you for years. And my husband, and I probably talk about you way more. And personal conversation than what maybe we should. So, cause he's an avid listener too. That's amazing. Um, I appreciate that. I'll take that as a compliment. And uh, <laughs> I think that the story, you know, it really highlights, there's a couple things that stood out to me. Number one is the fact that you mentioned the fear of regret being stronger than the fear of failure. And, you know, something that I talked about on the show recently, which is we have this fear of uncertainty and, you know, the way that we evolve, the way that our brains work, something that's uncertain. It's like, uh, that might be a threat that I don't know what's there. So I'm going to like stay safe where I know I can survive because we are hardwired for survival, not to thrive. And so we kind of have to overcome this operating system that we've been handed. And the cool part about what you said was like two to three months is not a long time to realize that it's no longer uncertain. You're like, this, this was the right choice because you were able to forecast ahead and say, 
if I don't do this, I'm going to regret it. And I'm that, that regret is going to be stronger than this fear of uncertainty that I have right now. Um, and then, you know, just being able to understand that, like, what's the worst case scenario. Um, I, I talk about that all the time. It's like, somebody's like, well, what if I fail? And I'm like, okay, what if you fail? Let's, let's play that out. Let's, let's play out that option. Okay. Is, is, is life over or do we still pick ourselves up and we keep moving? It's like, well, yeah, when you start to play out the worst case scenario, a lot of times it's really not that bad, but we, we never identify it. So it stays as this kind of like ghost that's kind of haunting us instead of just making it a real thing. Like, let's talk about it. What happens if you fail? What does that actually look like? Okay. And then what, and then what do we do from there? And you realize, Oh, now that I've labeled it and identified it and just brought it to the forefront, it's actually not that big of a deal. So I can jump into this thing that feels really scary. So I love that you said that. And of course, it's funny to me that you mentioned a lot of your analogies are fitness related since a lot of my analogies are finance related. <laughs> um, I think that learning how to like manage and deal with money is one of those things that um, for some reason, it's not emphasized as much as it should be in education and traditional education. I think it is. Um, I think there's a lot of areas that if I had to like rewrite curriculum for for kids, it would be a lot of managing money, a lot of, you know, how to deal with relationships, effective communication. Um, obviously fitness for me would be a big part of it, but I think there's some, some gaps that um, it's fortunate that we have people like yourself who are filling them. Um, so I'd love to uh, just kind of like jump in. I know with what you do, uh, you're, you're taking people who are probably in a position of feeling like overwhelmed by maybe financial debt or just not knowing what to do with their money as they're making money. Like where do you, where do you find like the, the friction points for most people? You know, it's easy for me as, as a nutrition coach, as a business owner, the friction point, it's often like, I don't feel comfortable in my own skin. I want to lose weight. I've been dieting for 30 years and I still don't like my body. And I have a poor relationship with food and these can all be friction points that we're trying to solve. Um, what do you find to be the most common ones for your clients? Yeah, certainly debt is a big one. And it really, you know, financial coaches can specialize for sure. But for our clients, uh, they tend to come to us and they're doing okay. So they're not in crisis mode necessarily. So for some financial coaches, they really, or financial counselors more or less will excel in sort of the the crisis situation, someone's on the verge of bankruptcy or about to lose their home, like those types of things, then there are free resources and programs out there for those individuals. United Way has some great financial counselors. So if someone is in that position, uh, that's definitely where, where we will direct them. Um, where we excel is people who they come to us and they're like, it's okay, but I really like want it to be better than okay. Right. Like I, the number one thing that people tell us is like, I just want to plan. Like, I just want to know what I'm doing. And so they've got big goals, but they feel like they're sort of winging it. Right. So I always, the analogy I give is like, you're going to the gym every day, but you're not really striving for much, or you're not seeing big results because you're not really following a clear plan. Like you're kind of feel like you're going through the motions. And a lot of our clients feel like they're going through the motions with their money. Um, some of our clients, you know, do have debt, but a lot of the times they're not like shackled by their debt. Right. So some of them will even have money and savings where they could pay off some of the debt or a big chunk of it, but they don't because they just don't know if they should, you know, and they're like, well, if I do this and then I use my savings, then what happens? Right. So it's a lot of like this uncertainty, like you were talking about this fear of like, 
yes, it's okay, but what if X happens or what if Y happens? And they just don't feel prepared. They don't feel like they've got good systems in place for managing things that might arise or they feel like they're just reacting to everything. So like, oh, money's okay one month and then the next month, oh my God, my kid's soccer registration is due and I forgot all about it. So they're kind of scrambling. It's just a lot of scrambling all the time. And yet, you know, they, they typically will take a vacation every year. Um, you know, they're not like so strapped for cash that it's like they're losing sleep necessarily. The sleep, the lack of sleep or the worry comes from sort of like worrying about the future, not necessarily like a bill that's due tomorrow, if that makes sense. Yeah, completely. And I think that that really um, alludes to what you're mentioning about the fact that it's more of an art than, you know, ha- just having the information is one thing, but being able to apply it to the individual. Uh, you know, I talk about the difference between like a technical problem versus an adaptive problem with coaching. It's, it's adaptive, right? Like technical mm-hmm. is you have a clear, like expert diagnosis and then like a clear solution. I stepped on a nail. I have tetanus. I need a tetanus shot. That's a very technical problem with a technical solution. Whereas with somebody's either nutrition and fitness or financial situation, it's adaptive, meaning it's nuanced. It depends on the person. It depends on context. It depends on their goals and their values and their lifestyle and all the things that they want. And then to your point, something might come up unexpectedly. So we have the best laid plan. And then, oh, we forgot about soccer registration. We forgot about the vacation. We forgot to do this. We forgot to pay this bill or whatever it may be. Um, So we're constantly adapting and modifying behavior to fit the individual. Um, You know, what I think is really interesting about what you do is there's a very tangible return on investment, meaning we're talking like dollars for dollars, right? There's with, with currency, energy can be currency, attention can be currency, time can be currency, money can be currency. But a lot of times we only think in terms of dollars for dollars. So with fitness and I'm like, hey, we're going to, you know, you invest this money into coaching and in exchange, you're going to have a better relationship with food. You're going to have the body you desire. You're going to have confidence. You're going to have you know, all of these things are going to be a better spouse or partner or, you know, parent, whatever it may be. And those are like a little bit harder to grasp in terms of like, what's the monetary value? Now I could sit here all day and say it's priceless. So like you should, there's no limit to how much you should invest, but it's not as simple as somebody saying like, Hey, if I put in a thousand dollars and I get $5,000 back, that's an amazing return on investment. It's just easier to connect those dots. But yet, even in an industry where you are dealing with dollars for dollars, there's still, I would imagine, a resistance to making that investment. Um, Is that something that you see with fear of, even though I know that there's this return that's coming, um, there's this hesitation investing in myself and making that commitment? Absolutely. So I would say the fear oftentimes comes from like, well, that's for other people though. Other people will achieve those results. Like not me, right? Like my situation is so bad that there's no way that we can get dollar for dollar out of this, you know? So if we charge $500, there's no way that anybody can find $500 in this budget of mine. Like I've looked at it, right? I found it. And I think it's just like this minor viewpoint of like, we're not going to just look at your expenses to find $500, right? So, but that's oftentimes what people think. Um, And I think a lot of the time it comes down to that fear of like, it's, is it really true? I think there's a lot of really, you know, shady marketing out there. And so sort of whether or not they believe one, is it really true? And then two, even if they believe it's true, is it possible for them? If that makes sense. So we do track, I mean, we, um, we, 
monitor and survey net worth, expenses, income, right? I mean, we track all sorts of things, but we also track the intangible. So we do ask our clients routinely, um, what's their stress level on a score of one to five? How confident are they with their money on a score of one to five, right? How at peace with that? How excited are they? We believe enthusiasm for your future is like the number one factor that matters most with your money than like anything else. So like, are you excited? Because if you're excited about what you're creating and you're putting your money behind it, you are more likely to follow that plan than a plan that we give you that you're not excited about, right? So we uh, we track people's enthusiasm, And we can actually show all those intangible benefits too. And the cool thing is that after a while, at first people come to us and they want the financial tangible result, right? That is absolutely number one for people. And then it's usually very quickly within like the first month where they start to transform into sort of that growth mindset of like, wow, there's so much more to this and their identity starts to shift. They actually start to, you know, care more about their money. And I think when people hear me say that, they get worried about like, oh, people care about their money. They care about their money because of what that money allows them to do. The opportunities it presents for them, the options it creates for their life, the flexibility they now have, you know, that type of thing. And I remember for us, one of my motivations was back in the day was to really take our money up a notch was my husband was working full-time at a job that he just absolutely hated. And it was like affecting his self-worth. It was affecting the way he saw himself. And if anybody has met my husband, he is like the most laid back, caring guy ever. And so for him to like be that unhappy at a career was a really big deal. And this was early on in our marriage and we were absolutely tied to his paycheck. Like we couldn't, he couldn't just leave even though he hated that job. Right. And I, I, we swore to each other. It was like a pinky promise. Like we will never find ourselves in a position where we are so you know, needing a paycheck that you you have to be miserable in order to make that paycheck, right? Like we swore we would put ourselves in a position to never do that again. Um, And that to me is what managing your money is all about is like creating options for yourself so that you can be flexible. You can pull the trigger on whatever you want when you want it. Yeah. And that just made me think of, of a fitness analogy as you were saying that where it's like, it's not about the money itself. It's about what that represents. And it's typically connected to something. So when somebody's like, yeah, I want to lose 30 pounds. Okay, great. Uh, we can lose 30 pounds, but it's not really about the 30 pounds. It's about what that version of you is able to do or what you believe the perception, uh, when you're 30 pounds lighter, it's typically like, once we start peeling back the layers, it's like, well, I want to be more active with my kids and I want to set a better example for my daughter. And I want to, you know, live a long life. And I have this family history of X, Y, Z, and I don't want that same fate for myself. There's all of these things associated with the 30 pounds. And yes, of course, there's also like, you know, I just want to look better and and feel better, but there's typically a bigger purpose behind that. That's really the driving force. And the number is what it is. It's not really like, like you mentioned, it's not just about managing the money or having confidence about, you know, what, you know, what they're doing with their money, but it's more so like, what does that represent? What does that provide? What's, what's the freedom or the enthusiasm or the, you know, removing stress and um, having all of these intangibles. Um, so, I think you know you kind of alluded to getting over that that fear of well you know the results sound great but that's maybe not going to happen for me um, you know typically it's like well I don't I either don't trust myself I don't trust the person that's trying to you know tell me to do something or I don't trust the process um, or the system or whatever is being discussed and um, you know a lot of times we we kind of create these scenarios as a protective mechanism because um, 
change is, is difficult. Like if change was easy, everybody would be where they want to be and, and nobody would be struggling because we know if you stay the same, you stay the same. Nothing changes if nothing changes. So if you're unhappy with your current situation, by definition, if you don't make a change, you're, you're going to remain unhappy. Um, so, but it's, it's scary because it's uncertain. Like we talked about, there's a fear. And a lot of times we create these stories in our mind and it keeps us in the same place. And then we justify, oh, well, I, I couldn't do that because that wouldn't work for me. Um, that program wouldn't work for me. And um, even if we take steps, you know, I'm going to schedule this call with Kelsa because I know I need help with my money. And then it's like, okay, I checked the box. I scheduled the call, but that's not going to work for me. So now I can feel validated that I took a step, even though I didn't really take a step. Um, and I know that you've kind of created uh, a framework to help people just understand like where that hesitation is coming from and how we can overcome it to fully commit and invest in ourselves. I'd, I'd love to hear you kind of walk through that. Yeah. So I designed what I call the gains framework. Um, what happens oftentimes as money coaches is that clients will come in and they'll say, Hey, I want to buy this thing, but it's too expensive. And, or I want to invest in myself. Um, and yet I don't think I can afford it. Right. So they're asking from a financial perspective, but as we start talking through like, you know, why, you know, what are you thinking? What about your life? Are you looking to change those types of things? One of the things that I observed really early on was that people tend to focus on the cost and like the financial cost um, of a decision when they're investing in themselves. And because like you were saying, oftentimes with coaching or investing in yourself, the actual results you get are intangible. It's like comparing apples to oranges, right? You've got this tangible cost, but intangible gains, and it creates this confusion in the mind. So they feel like they can't make a confident decision, right? So the purpose of the gains framework was to help clients understand what that big decision they're trying to make is all about. And oftentimes when we use this, it can be for really any big decision, you know, big lifestyle change, that sort of thing. But I would say when we use it most often is when someone is considering investing in themselves in some way. Um, and we're really proud of the fact that a lot of our clients shortly after working with us do start investing in themselves more and more and more. So we also have this statistic, which is kind of crazy that 80% of our clients lose weight after they start working with us. And that is not because we like limit their food budget so much that they can't eat. <laughs> it's, it's because it's like, once you gain control in one area of your life, it has this trickle effect, right? And how you do anything is how you do everything. And so they start to like see themselves differently. They start to trust themselves to make better decisions and build routine and structure and they can thrive in that. Um, and so it just ends up translating into, Hey, I want to hire a trainer or I want to hire a coach and like those types of things, or I want to hire a second trainer, right? Kind of thing. So maybe an expert, um, sort of thing. So maybe they have like a powerlifting coach and a, you know, nutritionist or something like that. But, um, so the whole purpose of the gains framework is to think through what the decision might cost you and not just the financial cost, but there's a whole lot of other costs people fear as well. So it's going to help us think through those that, that way we can actually navigate those costs better when we're navigating that investment in ourselves and then also help people focus on what they're going to gain from that investment in themselves and be able to compare those two things. Okay. Um, and it also helps you to begin to mentally and emotionally prepare yourself for that shift you're about to create in your life. Cause that's also a very scary step for people to take is it's like uncertain, right? They have no idea how it's going to change them or all of the things that might change. So this is meant to help a person really think through that and commit to it before they even commit to the decision. Okay. Yeah, I love it. So, all right. Step one is you want to ask yourself or identify what will this decision cost me? 
This is, we're going to start easy and we're going to get a little harder, more in depth as these questions go. So obvious one is the financial cost or the price. Typically, this is where people will say, well, I can't afford it. They're really focusing on one element of the decision. They're focusing on the price of the program, um, the price of the coach, something like that. So they're focusing on the financial cost only. But there are other costs that we simply want to be aware of. These are really important. They're probably in the back of people's minds, things like time. How am I going to you know, schedule these sessions with the coach? It's going to take a lot of time. Um, they sometimes worry that they're going to, it's going to cost them some of their favorite foods, right? That like, oh, this coach is going to make me not eat the things that I love the most, right? These are really important to be aware of. Um, also, I would say some patience. It's going to cost us some patience. I remember the first week when I started tracking my macros and oh my God, was I so frustrated. Um, I love macros now. I still, it's been years and I still, you know, track my macros personally. It's a strategy that works really well for me, but um, I just remember getting so frustrated learning something new. And so you sort of know like, Hey, this is going to cost me a little bit of my identity. Like I am literally going to be a newbie again in something. And like, I got to prepare myself for that. Right. So you really want to ask yourself just initially on the surface, like, what do I think this is going to cost me? Okay, so a little bit of a surface level question. And then step two, we're going to take it a little deeper and we're going to ask ourselves, what do I fear this will cost me? What am I most afraid that this will cost me? And then we're going to have to really dig deep here with this one. Um, things that I have heard people say when I'm coaching them through this decision to hire a health coach is they fear they're going to lose their friends or a social status of some sort, right? Like they're not going to be invited to go out for drinks with their girlfriends, or they're not going to have fun when they go out for drinks with their girlfriends, when they're worried about like not being able to get a drink. Right. Um, the other thing that I think is really important, this is one of those like deep fears that people have, and sometimes they can't acknowledge it or struggle to acknowledge it, is they fear they will become obsessed both with money, right? They're going to care way too much about money. They're going to want to track where every dollar goes and also with food or fitness that they're going to become obsessed. And what I think when, when I've talked with clients about this, really what they're saying that this is going to cost them is their sense of identity, right? Their self-identity. Like they feel like they're going to lose a sense of self, right? Like I don't, I'm not going to recognize myself. I'm not going to like that person if I become that person, right? So they fear these types of things that it's going to cost them. And those costs can feel really great, right? They can feel very significant. And so one of the reasons it's really important to think through this is because you are about to hire a coach, most likely. You're about ready to invest in yourself. What beautiful information for your coach to know about you, that these are the things you fear losing, right? And that coach can help you. Can, we'll then be able to keep an eye on it for you. We'll be able to navigate that. We'll help you create a plan or strategy around that so that that doesn't happen, right? Because these fears are going to be different for everybody. So this is where that mental and emotional preparation comes into play because you're actually going to show up even more coachable because this information, you're now self-aware and you can give that self-awareness to the coach who can actually help you through it. Yeah, I love that. That's amazing. Um, apologies for the brief interruption. I've never done this before, but I wanted to pause this episode to tell you guys, Organifi Green Juice is the place to be. Uh, I really wanted to make sure that you have all the information you need because so many of you have mentioned your struggle with getting in your daily servings of veggies. And we talk about it all the time, how important food quality is and eating enough vegetables is one of those things that 
We struggle as children. We struggle as adults. It's not like it gets easier with age. And Organifi has made this super simple with their green juice that you can take every morning. It is fully packed with real ingredients to get all of your veggies, vitamins, minerals. You don't have to worry about, oh, did I throw in veggies and some food that I don't like the taste. And I'm just trying to throw in some broccoli just because my coach said I had to. Organifi green juice tastes amazing. And you can just put it in your water um, every morning. That's how you should start the day. It's very simple. It's a great habit to kickstart your day. Uh, it, it really carries over into the rest of the day. At least I've noticed uh, more energy for training, just feeling better about myself that you get the day started with a quality habit. And you can get 20% off with the pop fam discount because you're a mind over macros listener. Organifi hooks you up with 20% off. You go to Organifi.com slash pop fam. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash P-O-P-F-A-M. Enter code pop fam at checkout. Try their green juice. Try their gold juice. You should know those are my two favorites. Plus they have balance for gut health. They have harmony for hormone health. They have incredible products for skincare, for literally everything. They have the best vegan protein on the market, all real ingredients, nothing artificial. You know, I only talk about products and companies that I truly believe in, products that I use, companies that I support, the mission that they're on, and Organifi is certainly one of them. So if you want to support two businesses that are doing good in the world, get your green juice, get your gold juice, get your vegan protein from Organifi. Go to Organifi.com slash PopFam. Use code PopFam at checkout for 20% off. Now, let's get back to the episode. So where do we go from there? Identify the cost, identify the, what, what do we fear the cost will be? Um, now at that point, I can imagine that it's like, well, okay, now I've thought about all the negatives and this yeah. makes me not want to take a step forward. Um, exactly right. Where do we go from there to actually make that leap? It is important to be very clear about the costs. It, it can be a little scary and painful, but our brain is naturally focusing on those anyway, even if we're not aware of them, which is why it's really important to call attention to them. Um, and we, again, we're trying to make it so we're comparing apples to apples. We're trying to make something tangible and something tangible, right? So that we can compare the gains as well. Um, so we're going to identify gains from the decision. So what will I gain from the decision. And this is oftentimes harder for a person to think through because in order to think about what you're going to gain from the decision of investing in yourself, you actually have to visualize yourself achieving the thing you want after the decision is made. Right. And again, that can be really hard to do, but I will say the more you do this, the easier it is, the more you invest in yourself, the more you start to trust yourself and the visual visualization gets a lot easier. So we're going to shift our focus um, to the gains and the thing that is most important about this, Mike, is oftentimes we make decisions in our life because we are running away from pain or we're running away from like something we don't like about our life. And people talk about a growth mindset all the time. And really one way of thinking about a growth mindset is that you're actually making the decision based on what you're running towards and what you're trying to create for your life and what you're trying to achieve with these changes and really shifting and making decisions from that place, not because you're trying to avoid pain. And the reason that's so important is because if you're always making the decision from what it will cost you or a pain, 
it's easy to tell yourself it's not bad enough yet. I'll wait a little bit longer. And so you're always hitting rock bottom before you make a decision, right? It's why so many times people say, well, it's not bad enough yet. And then a year later, maybe they gain 10 more pounds, right? And is it bad enough yet? And then a year later, right? And then you can talk yourself out of it when you're only focusing on the cost. Completely agree. And I think, you know, it's such a powerful concept um, to understand, number one, how we're naturally wired. Uh, It is much easier for our brains to think of problems than it is to think of solutions. So if I were to say, all right, I want you to think of how to lose all the weight that you want to lose and maintain it forever. You're going to be like, oh, crap, I've been trying to figure this, this out my whole life. I don't know. But if I said, I want you to think of how to gain weight or how to be unhealthy. Uh, if I want to think, if I want you to think of the problems. It's very easy to rattle that off. You're like, well, I would just eat a bunch of processed food and I would have no limit to how much I eat. And I would drink a bunch of alcohol and I would be stressed all the time. And I, you know, like you would very eat, I would sit on the couch all day. You could come up with the problems much easier than you can come up with the solution. And that is just a natural, again, going back to like the operating system that we were dealt um, because we are survival based animals. We think of threats first before we think of, Oh, well, what can I gain from this? So it's the exercise of, you know, what is this costing me? What, you know, the fears that come up um, that's probably going to be a little bit easier than for somebody to then visualize, you know, the success and, and being that, that next level person that you're trying to be, um, and, and I think that the awareness piece of, you know, I know that this is how I'm naturally wired. So I'm going to, even though it's uncomfortable, I'm going to put myself in that mental visualization of, I already achieved the goal. I'm already my ideal self. What does that look like? How does that feel? What are all of the things that I gain from achieving that goal? Um, and not even like you've achieved it and it's a finish line, but just like, this is, this is the pursuit. This is the infinite game that I'm playing because of all of the things that are co- going to come with it. Um, do you find like that that's accurate, that the second half of that exercise is much more challenging? This is much more challenging for sure for people to visualize seeing themselves or like really believing that they are going to gain from it, right? So, and really thinking about what those gains can be. So whenever we do this, typically we do use the analogy of like you're hiring a fitness coach or you're hiring a health coach, right? Or a personal trainer. So um, some of the things, the question you want to ask yourself is what will I gain by making this decision, right? So that's question number three. What will I gain by making this decision? And if you think about this, chances are it might be things like the ability to lose weight, not just lose weight, but like the ability, right? If I want to go lose five pounds right now, I know exactly how to do it for myself. I know what strategies work for myself. It's it's a skill, right? I am gaining a skill for my life, right? Um, I'm going to feel more in control. I'm going to lo- have a body I love, right? Or a healthier body, right? I know one of the things I gained when I started my fitness journey, I lost, you know, 30 pounds after having my kids and that sort of thing. And I remember walking by a mirror and sort of like being like, Ooh, yeah, you go girl kind of thing. And the first couple of times that happened, I remember feeling kind of bad about it. Like, oh, don't get conceited, Kelsa, don't whatever, you know? And I then I just kind of stopped myself and I realized I was like, every single person should feel this way about their body. Every person should look in the mirror and be like, you look amazing, right? I'm proud of that body kind of thing, right? So you gain that sort of sense of pride, that um, confidence, strength, flexibility, muscle. Maybe you're looking to gain muscle, peace of mind that you're showing your kids a really beautiful example of how to be healthy. That was a really big motivator for me. Um, 
self-awareness you gain. So learning what works and what doesn't work for you. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things you gain from hiring a coach. Maybe it's like a better sex life, right? Or maybe you're going to buy more shorts and bikinis. Like I never wore shorts when I was overweight ever personally. And now I wear shorts all the time. Um, You really want to imagine yourself succeeding. So the decision you made is a success. It's a total success. What is better about your life? right? So you see yourself and you're carrying yourself a certain way. What traits are you embodying? So maybe you see yourself with the ability to do hard things, right? To train hard, to push yourself outside your comfort zone, to learn new things, right? You're not stuck anymore. When something comes up and you're feeling challenged by it, you're more proactive, you're a better problem solver. Like these are all of the things you will gain just from investing in yourself in one area of your life. It absolutely has that trickle effect into all other areas of your life. Um, And I think the best thing, Mike, that I always, when I'm coaching clients through this, is you learn to trust yourself, right? You learn that like, I can commit to something, I can invest in myself and follow through on it. And it's more likely to happen when you hire a coach. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. I know for our clients, when they first come to us, they're definitely like asking for our permission on things. And they're definitely like, hey, can I do this? How do I do this? Should I do this? That kind of thing. And that's because their confidence isn't quite there yet. And they're learning, right? And then at some point, there's this shift that happens where they, you can tell they're starting to trust their own decision-making, right? They're tr- starting to trust their own critical thinking. They're really starting to trust themselves. And they don't need us so much anymore. Sometimes they want us for like verbal processing or just to run things by us. That's really beneficial for some people. But the idea is that it's like they actually, the shift is that they stop trusting us or doing it for us. And they start to trust themselves and do it for themselves, which is really cool. That's one of the best things you can gain from coaching, I think. Yeah, I love that. And so I'm curious when somebody goes through that process and they're envisioning all of the different gains and, you know, we could rattle them off for hours and still probably not touch on everything that you gain from making that investment in yourself and prioritizing your health and your own well-being. Then I can imagine the shift going from, yeah, but, you know, (laughs) all of these things sound amazing, but like you've talked about, that's not going to happen for me. The, the old story starts creeping in. You know, I've, I've tried to lose weight before it hasn't been successful. I've tried another program before it didn't work. Um, so even though all of those things sound amazing and I want that, I know that I want those things, but that's just not going to happen for me. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you go from there for clients kind of getting caught in that, that negative self-talk of pulling themselves back into the old way of thinking? I think this is why a framework is so helpful and beneficial because it allows for, instead of your mind sort of running away with itself, you're actually going to work through that thought. So literally question number four is, do I believe I can realize those gains? Do I believe that those gains are for me? Right? So this is where we're going to get to the belief component of this exercise, which is oftentimes the hardest, but if it's already there, we have to get good at coaching ourselves through that, right? Being more aware of it versus letting that inner critic sort of like just get louder and louder and louder. What we're trying to do is stop that inner critic from getting louder, okay? There's this really great quote that I like, which is, it's not who you are that holds you back. It's who you think you're not. And I wish I knew who said that, but I don't know who says it. But um, it's not who you think you are that holds you back. It's who you think you're not. So oftentimes it's this fear of like, but I'm not that person, right? So you have two options here, sort of two strategies you can use to coach yourself through this, you know, 
negative sort of mindset of like who you don't think you are. Number one is draw on proof from your own life. This idea of like where in your life, some other area might have nothing to do with health or fitness, right? But it's an area of your life where you maybe had pain in some sense, you were feeling challenged and you overcame it. You made small changes, you committed to it. It was rocky at first. Sometimes things get messier before they get prettier, right? And, but you stuck with it. And now you consider yourself pretty damn good at that area of your life, right? Like draw on proof that like you actually have the ability to do this. It's just in a different currency of your life. So draw on your own proof and get really clear on when that was. What worked for you? Did you have a coach or did you have a really good friend that you talked through things with? Did you journal a lot at that time? Like, did you schedule time every morning to tackle that sort of challenge? Like exactly what did you do that worked well for you, but draw on your proof from your own life that this is absolutely something you can do. We're just changing the area of your life that you're doing it in. Okay. So make it about the skill, not the actual tangible thing. And then option number two is to borrow your coach's belief in you. So if you can't do number one, if you're struggling to do that, I fully believe this is when investing in yourself is even more important. This actually directs you to, yes, this is why you should do it, not why you shouldn't do it. Because if you are finding that you don't believe that you can do it, your coach's belief in you, you're going to borrow that energy from them. You're going to borrow their belief in you. And that is so important to help people overcome this. So it's actually not a reason not to do it. It's a reason to do it. Like you absolutely, it's a no brainer should be the one hiring a coach, if that makes sense. I mean, I think both of those are, are super powerful. I know that one of the ways that I've invested in myself recently is by going to therapy and my therapist does that practice with me all the time. If I'm struggling with something, she's like, okay, let's talk about, and she'll like subtly change the topic. She's not really changing the topic. She's like, let's talk about your work. And then she'll like paint a scenario and then like tie it back in. She's like, so you were able to do this in this area of your life. Do you think that you can apply that to this other area of your life? And I'm like, holy shit, you're right. <laughs> like it just connects the dots. Like, yes, this absolutely applies. Uh, but sometimes we don't see that connection. We can have a growth mindset in one area and a fixed mindset in another. And you're right. We have to be able to borrow from that and, and pull from that experience of, you know what? I did have a growth mindset here and I can apply that to this area of my life where I might currently have a fixed mindset and realize that that's, that's not just who I am. I can actually pull from this other experience where I have a growth mindset, apply it to this area of my life and build that growth mindset here. So I think that that's super powerful. And I completely agree. If you're not able to connect those dots for yourself, um, having somebody that holds you accountable, that believes in you, that's going to walk you through the process. And then you start to get that belief in yourself um, just by going through the reps. Yeah, absolutely. And I think coaches, we like to overcomplicate things and how we explain what we do for people, right? Like we like to um, over describe it. But I always think that like coaches, really what we do is we help people achieve more than they can achieve by their by their own, right? Or on their own, right? Like that's really as simple. It's like going to a personal trainer, going to the gym, like you can work out on your own. Chances are your trainer is going to push you way outside your comfort zone compared to what you're going to be able to do yourself, right? It is just all coaches can do that. So if you feel like you're not able to get that out of yourself, like if you don't know how to do that, that's totally okay. That doesn't make you a bad person, but that is a coach's job to help you with that, to learn that skill of like pulling that out of you and learning how to trust yourself with that. So step five, after you've done that is to, and I like having clients journal this out. 
I really do like write it down, get it in a journal. It doesn't have to look good. can be scribble notes, that kind of thing, but really try to process it in writing. That way you can step five is like, do the gains that you can achieve from this exceed the costs, right? Cause now you've got both the intangible costs and the intangible gains, but you can visualize both of them so much better. And oftentimes when a client sees the costs and gives themselves permission to say, I'm going to communicate those with this person I'm about to hire, it act, they don't feel so scary. Like you were saying earlier, sort of like the monster in the closet and then you open the door and it's just your cat, right? Like it ends up not being so terrifying. And so the idea is that they, by writing them down, it's like just something I need to communicate right? It's just something I'm going to need help working through. And it's not that big of a deal. Um, You also want to make sure that you are focusing on what you will gain from it and sort of ask yourself, like, is this worth overcoming what I'm feeling right now, right? Like these gains that I really want for my life, imagine not achieving them, right? So fast forward five years, you haven't invested in yourself. So you haven't gained those things, are you going to be okay with where you're at five years from now if you don't gain them? Even if you only gain half of them, right, is one of the questions. Like, like even if you only gained a few of those things, like a lot of the times the, the client is like, God, my that's that's what I need in my life right now. That's what I need. Like I can see that now more clearly. It's just a much more tangible thing, if that makes sense. And you're identifying those fears really early on of like what what fears are really holding you back from making this decision as well. And it's not typically, like I said, just the financial cost. That's just such a surface level sort of answer. There's so much more to it. And it helps us to process those process through those. Cause there's times where it's like, Oh my God, my friends would never like not hang out with me just cause I'm not drinking with them at the bar anymore. Right. Like that, of course that wouldn't happen. Like, but so by writing it down and by sort of processing, it just becomes less scary. I think. Yeah. And I know what I'm about to say is going to sound really insensitive and I don't mean it to be that way. Um, I I truly believe that the leap to I can't afford it is an easy out because most people understand that. Most people, nobody would argue with, oh, you're in a financial situation where you can't afford it. I totally understand. And no, very rarely do we get pushback from a comment like that. Um, And I find that it's like a safety net uh, whether it's true or not, I think that a lot of the times it's just this little safety net of, well, I can't afford it. Most of the time when somebody's inquiring, they've already done some calculations in their mind about what it's going to cost. They typically know what the investment's going to look at look like, especially if they follow me where I'm like, I'm pretty much saying what the price is without directly saying it because our prices do change and have gone up over time. But I at least allude to the fact that it's going to be like a low four-figure investment for six months of coaching. Um, so they kind of have an idea. And then when you hear like the, I can't afford it, I immediately think, okay, that's your, your safety zone. You're trying to like, you know, take the easy out, which is fine. Cause I'm never going to say like, well, that's not really your financial situation. So I do think that the fact that you're digging into some of the other costs below the surface, um, is an important exercise because I think that that will help people to realize that, you know what, it actually wasn't about the money. It was about something else. And now we know that it's about something else so we can address that thing and hopefully overcome the fear and actually take the leap, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And, you know, I do literally money coaching. So you would not believe how many times a client comes in or does a session and they're like, oh, you'll be proud of me. Yesterday, I was going to buy this thing, but I told myself no, because I know I can't afford it. And they're looking for us to be like, good job, you know? And really what my answer is like, how do you know that you can't afford it? What did you look at? 
How did you make that decision? And the reality is, is like, if you really wanted that thing bad enough, let's find a way to afford it, right? Like if you don't want it, that's totally fine. But then say that, right? right. Because don't make it about affordability. Really own that decision. Like this decision isn't worth my money. That's one way of saying it. That's okay. Right. Um, but to say I can't afford it. And a lot of times people do use it as an absolute scapegoat. There are so many times where we will actually go through the exercise of like, Hey, let's just take a look. Let's just, let's say you really did want that right now. And you're really regretting that you said no yesterday. My job is not to make the decision for you or, or to even make you think that every time you say no to something, that's a good thing, right? Like that's not what I'm a fan of either, you know? So it's like, let's pull up your numbers. Let's take a look. Let's find a way if you were to really, really want this right now, how could you afford it? What, you know, or maybe you already can like on the surface and so many times, Mike, they can absolutely afford it if they really wanted to. They just have this. And here's the thing, if for so long in your life, you've struggled with money and you have found yourself in a position where you really couldn't afford the things you wanted, that stinks. Like that is not a good feeling, right? So to all of a sudden shift that is not an easy transition to make, right? Like it is definitely something that takes practice. So I get, you know, I'm not blaming them for having that thought process of like, just assuming they can't afford things when maybe for a long time they really couldn't. But that's where that control factor comes in. Like, no, I'm actually in control of this decision. If I want to afford that, I will find a way. Yeah. And I think that to your point, as you go through it, you start to realize more and more, like each time you take that step, each time you make that investment in yourself, you realize that it always, in my experience, pays off. Even I've had times where I've invested in coaching where it honestly wasn't like a world-class experience. And I still was like, you know what? I extracted enough value out of this experience that it was 1000% worth it. Um, I remember investing when I started my business, I invested in, in a business coach that I truly could not afford, meaning I had to take two Amex cards and, and put it down. And like that paid for itself a million times over. And it was, it's just that decision was really scary. And I had a lot of apprehension and I doubted myself and I questioned if I was sane and uh, I still question that sometimes, but it was like, I'm, you know, I know that I want this to your point. It's like, what, what is that? What does success look like? And am I okay if I'm not successful and just, I stay the same and I say like, oh, well, you know, here I am five years later and nothing's changed. And it's just, I could not put myself in a position where that was okay. So it was like, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to make this investment and I'm going to make it worth it. And I'm going to take control and, and get everything out of this that I possibly can. And, and like I said, it it has always in every situation that I've invested in myself, it has always paid off in you know many times over. And this will probably surprise people given that I'm a financial coach, but there are a number of times where we work through this gains framework with a client and when we look at their budget, so that they decide like, yes, this is what I want to do. I can see that the gains are important to me. And then we go and look at their budget and we're going to figure out how we're going to pay for it. And there are times where our clients will invest in something and they're where you're at, Mike, where they're like, I'm going to put this investment on a credit card, right? And we coach them through the fact that like, you're going to put this investment on a credit card. Maybe it's a six month expense, right? A monthly expense for six months or 12 months, whatever it is but the gains you are going to experience are for a lifetime, right? So you have a short period of time where the expense is going to hit you, but the gains are going to pay you dividends for so much longer. And we don't have time to sort of like make all of that money in the next six months, but we will have time. And the whole 
point is really just to minimize or help navigate those costs, right? So the more aware of the costs you are, both the costs that you fear and the tangible ones like time and financial and that kind of thing, the easier it is to actually put a strategy in place to overcome it. If you're avoiding thinking about them, then you're not actually working through a solution to overcome them. Totally. Um, and you had mentioned your decision to leave the corporate world and to start your own business uh, was largely driven by the fear of regret. How often do you dive in with a client to say, will you regret not making this decision? And what does that look like? And, and how much does that drive the, you know, the action step of, you know what, I'm not okay if I wait six months and I'm still in the same place or six years and I'm still in the same place and I will regret the fact that I passed on this opportunity. How often do you kind of reach back into that, um, you know, mindset? I would say often I do want to be careful though, because it's like, again, I feel like if you're not careful, that's making the decision from a place of what you're running away from sort of thing and flexing the muscle of, I'm going to trust myself to take this leap of faith for what I want to achieve sort of thing. Not because God, if I keep doing this forever, I'm going to really like be pissed at myself, right? Like, I don't want to, that to me, that feels a little bit like shame work. And I, with money specifically, Mike, and also, I mean, weight loss too, but like, there is just so much shame messaging out there that I try to steer away from that as much as possible. Um, unless I'm having a very, you know, specific one-on-one coaching session where we can navigate that it's not about shame, but it's about the trajectory of your life, right? So the trajectory of your life If we were to keep repeating the routines you have today, the habits you have today, the mindset you have today, where will you be five years from now? That's a bit more of like a focus on the future than focusing on regret sort of thing. Yeah, no, I think that's really powerful. Um, I think that helps to really conceptualize like there's kind of the two paths and we're going to project out the future and how those two paths look and which one looks better. Is it the one where I don't make this investment and I just keep doing the same thing? Where do I end up versus you know, what happens if I do take this step and I realize all of these gains down the road, uh, which path seems more appealing. And then that can oftentimes, I imagine, make the investment itself feel less scary, where you Mm -hmm. kind of know more definitively with more certainty, right? Most of the time, somebody is afraid because it's uncertain. That's typically it all becomes down to that same root of uncertainty and fear. And it's the unknown. And I, and you kind of make it known by going through this exercise and you're like, now I know what this path looks like. And now that investment doesn't seem as scary because I'm moving towards something that's, that feels more real versus this, like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm just going to jump in and hope for the best. That feels a little scarier than okay, I know exactly what I'm gaining and I know why I want all of those things and why the current path that I'm on is not going to get me those things. So I'm going to make this investment. And I think it helps just clarify the vision of what you're creating and why you even want that, right? So that visualization aspect of like really imagining yourself and when I'm coaching a client through this, it's easier to sort of guide them and say like, so I want you to imagine yourself. You're like walking into work every day. What are you wearing? right? How are you carrying yourself differently? Um, when you wake up in the morning, how do you feel getting out of bed? You know, are you stiff and achy and your back hurts? Are your knees hurting going up and down the stairs? Like, how is your relationship with your spouse, right? Like when you look in the mirror, how do you feel? Like you can actually help guide that conversation, the visualization exercise until it gets a lot easier for people. But what ends up happening is they then vis- have this vision of like, this is how I need to show up for co- during coaching and during these changes, because that's the pers- version of myself I'm showing up for. Yeah, totally. So 
to kind of run through the questions again, we start with, what is this costing me? Then we yeah. go to, what do I fear this is costing me? Mm-hmm. Uh, then we move to, what am I gaining? Yep. And then it's, what is my belief in ga- actually following through with this? Mm-hmm. Um, and then what's the last step? And then the last step is comparing both of those. And this is, I think, to your question about, this is really where that trajectory comes in, right? So like the costs, they they may be costs, right? There might be, yes, a financial cost, a time cost, that that sort of thing. Compare that to your gains, but also ask yourself, but if I don't feel that cost, where will I be, right? So if, isn't that cost worth it sort of thing? And then you compare the gains to the cost. So it's really like the decision-making element of like, let me compare these two things. Which one do I want more, right? Makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, you know, I mean, the way that I envision this is, you know, somebody is looking to join coaching and they're like, you know, I hear pop is the best coaching in the world. So uh, they're like, I'm ready to make this investment. And then there's that like frozen moment of like, oh shit, I heard the price. And now I start questioning my ability to do any of this stuff. And I start talking myself out of it. I start, you know, retreating back into, I'm going to stay in my safe space, what's known and what's comfortable, um, being able to insert a framework like this mm-hmm. to say, okay, before I make this decision, I'm going to walk through this process. I'm going to ask myself these five questions. I'm going to journal about it. Um, or maybe they go through this process before scheduling a call or inquiring, and they've already got that information and they know ahead of time and they're well-prepared to say, you know what, I've thought about this and I know what the costs are. And I know what the gains are and I'm ready to make this, this move. I think that it makes perfect sense to have somebody approaching that conversation um, way more prepared and ready to make a decision that they'll be proud of. Here's a fun twist, Mike, because yes, that's exactly right. That's how they can apply this and not just with this decision, but like a lot of the decisions, right, that they're trying to make for themselves. But absolutely, if you know the cost, if you've had that conversation and that's, you can tell that your mind is focusing on what you're losing, right? Or what it's going to cost you absolutely go through this exercise. Um, another thing you can do, if you don't know the cost, let's say you don't know, but you're like, I want to hire somebody or I'm ready to hire pop because it's amazing. And I know it's going to get me results. It's going to be custom to me. It's exactly what I need. Um, but I have no idea. I hear what Mike says on the podcast, but I'm not really sure. Do the exercise. And when it comes to like, what is this going to cost me? estimate high. This is something we do with all of our clients. Some of our clients want to hire a business coach, let's say fitness coach, and they have no idea what the cost is first. And it's actually easier if you don't know the cost because you can estimate high. And then when you actually hop on the call with somebody, you already know what you're expecting it to cost you, not just financially, but in a lot of ways. And if you've estimated high, chances are you're going to be like pleasantly surprised. And then it actually feels like an absolute reward. I promise. It's like, oh my God, I'm going to get all of these gains and benefits for even less than I thought it was going to cost me. It is a mind transformation. I promise. It actually shifts your whole energy and it's a lot of fun. Love that. Um, Or I could just say what I think it should cost and then it will be much less than what it actually costs and tell people like, you know, realistically, we should be charging like six grand for six months, but we don't charge that. So mm-hmm. um, that can be the expectation. And then you'll be. There you go. <laughs> um, I love that. Yes, I love that. Yeah. You can also once you get really clear on all those gains um, and you're really seeing those for yourself, you can ask yourself, like, if I if this was a guarantee, if I knew for sure that I would realize those gains, what would I pay for that? 
right? And again, that gets to that belief question at the end of the day, because if you believe that you will follow through, if you believe that you will do it, that is a guarantee, right? So if you could, if there's a guarantee you will achieve those, what would you pay for those? What kind of investment would you make in yourself in order to realize those and attach a dollar amount to it? Yeah. And I think there's a cool exercise that helps to tease out whether it's actually the cost or if it's the belief where Mm -hmm. we can go over like all the things that somebody wants to accomplish. And if they're like, you know what, that's just, so we go over, we know like everything that they want. And then it's like, you know what? I'm not really sure that I can afford it at this time. And it's like, okay, totally understand. Now, let me ask you this. If we sold a product that was guaranteed to deliver the result that you want, like you take this product off the shelf, you take the pill, there's no harmful side effects or anything. And it delivers the body that you want, the confidence you want, the relationship with your kids that you want, the life, you know, everything that you said you want, you get it instantly upon taking this pill. Would you pay X amount, whatever the cost was. And a lot of times they'd say, yeah, I would take that. Like if it was a guarantee and I didn't, there was no side effects and I got everything that I wanted. Yes. I would pay for that pill. And it's like, okay, so it's not really a cost thing because you would find the money. It's actually a belief. The only disconnect is that the pill is guaranteed and it's instant versus you having to put the work in. Um, So it's just a belief. Can I follow through? And it helps to tease out whether, is it really about the money or is it just my belief that I can follow through and do this? I love that. There's a concept and I feel like you've touched on it. I think you might call it something different, but like the trust triad, belief triad. Um, And it's this idea of like, in order to take action or, or invest, like what does a person need to believe? And they need to believe three things. They need to believe in the coach. Like they need to feel like that person's relatable to them. They get them that sort of thing in the program and in themselves, right? Those three things. And the hardest one for coaches actually is to help a person believe in themselves. Uh Uh-oh. Did I lose you? Oh, shoot. Okay. You said the hardest part for them to believe in themselves. Hardest part is for a coach to help a person believe in themselves in sort of their front end sort of marketing, messaging, that sort of thing. And it's this really um, tough, like, which comes first, the chicken or the egg sort of scenario, because a person who is struggling to believe in themselves, they are the person that needs a coach more than anybody, right? Because like I said, you're going to borrow from your coach's belief. So it just creates this sort of like weird dynamic. But I think that's oftentimes where like hop on with somebody, do the quick call, have a conversation and see how that conversation, like take that baby step at least, and then work through this gains framework and start coaching yourself through that belief. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, this was, was really an amazing conversation. I would love for you to let everybody know how they can stay connected with you and, um, you know, go through this process with you if they need help with financial decisions, if they need help managing their money. Um, if they need somebody to guide them through gaining the confidence to join pop, like what, how can they stay connected with <laughs> yes. you and stay up to date with everything that you're doing? Yes. Thanks. Uh, so again, my name is Kelsa Dickey and my business is fiscal fitness Phoenix. So you can find us at fiscal fitness, or fiscal fitness, on Instagram and all the things. Awesome. I will get that posted in the show notes. Um, I appreciate your time and look forward to chatting more. Uh, You too. Keep up the good work, Mike. Thank you. You do the same. We'll talk soon.